brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. This episode of The Huddle is brought to you by The Athletic Club Oakland, my go-to sports bar in the East Bay. Look, this will be a shock to no one. I love watching sports, and I love it even more while at a sports bar. But to be honest, there was a long period of time where I just couldn't find one I actually liked. I'd find a spot that had TVs, but the food sucked ass, or a place that had good food, but they wouldn't show the game I wanted, and the inside felt dark and depressing. It was always some trade-off or sacrifice, and that's finally done now. The ACO is exactly what I'm looking for without sacrifice. They have a huge space, including an outdoor spot where they shut down an entire street and called it the town gardens. They have more than 100 televisions, which can and will show every game you ask for, and they have great food. The ACO has everything you need to comfortably watch your favorite team in any sport at any time with passionate fans. I love it, and I'm pretty damn sure you will too. The Athletic Club Oakland, where sports fans get everything they want every day they want it. We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in the Warriors Huddle with me, Bram. No Marcus today, but with me per usual, my master of all things sound, Maxime. How's it going? Maxime, excited to announce that rejoining us after way too long, the former Golden State beat writer for the Bay Area News Group, the current West Coast specialist for NBA.com, and a longtime friend of this show who took me on an emotional roller coaster <laughs> the last time we had a text conversation, Mr. Mark Medina. What's going on, Mark? Bram, well, I am doing well, but most importantly, how are you doing? Have you recovered from this emotional roller coaster? I think we know I haven't. Fuck you, Mark. All right, so here, <laughs> let's let's bring everybody up to speed here. So, you know, Mark and I occasionally text. We have a friendship off uh, air and one I really value. And he texted me when he was in town for the season opener. He was there for ring night. And in fact, man, he gave me a text I've been waiting for for years. What he said is, Bram, I just got into a lift, was on my way somewhere, and you won't believe it. The, uh, the lift driver is playing your podcast. And just to like put an exclamation point to make me feel 
in particularly better about it. He shoots me a picture of the fucking heads up display from the Lyft driver. And sure enough, there's our logo. And Mark, here's a part you didn't know. So that happens. And I am nothing if not pompous and full of myself. So I get all excited, you know, text a bunch of people, including Maxime and Marcus. And like, boys, you won't believe it. They are, you know, they're listening to it. Like it's happening. It's finally getting out there. And then as I'm doing that, I get a follow-up text from uh, Mark, who then explains, oops, my bad. Actually, Lyft driver wasn't listening to it at all. I fucking plugged my phone into the Lyft driver's car to to charge it, and it just picked up what I was listening to. So I went from like, oh, we're so important, to like, oh, my God, Mark was just listening to himself. He was just listening to his own uh, appearance on our show, and it made us look like assholes. Hey, it also, I also felt embarrassed because I thought like, oh my gosh, like I know how technology works and clearly not. So it was definitely not an intention to troll. I mean, I still got some troll comments in there. Like when I gave Bram the heads up that the pod's playing, like he was like, hey, like tell the Lyft driver that, you know, I'm his favorite uh, guest. And, and I was like, I will. But, you know, before I got into that, the Lyft driver already said that he loves the pod. He could do without the host, but he loves the guests. <laughs> and so I already was getting Bram going a little bit. Also, that this whole this whole story was a scam. And then not to kick you while you're down, but then what actually happened because I realized, wait, my phone's charging. Maybe this is my phone, but I'm trying to pull an audible and play it cool. I mentioned to the Lyft driver, hey, like you listen to this Warriors Huddle podcast too. I really like it. And the guy was super confused. Like he's middle-aged doesn't speak much English. She was hard of hearing. He had this very confused look on his face. He started turning up the volume and then he turned it down. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for adding that little piece there, Mark. Uh, Dude. <laughs> future reference. If you ever find out that a comment you've given me is not actually based in like facts, don't tell me that. Let me just continue to be blissfully ignorant. And that text I sent back to you, the like, oh, you can tell him you, you're one of my favorite guests. Looking back on it, it was so fucking pompous. You know, like I was, I was just basking in the like, oh, this guy clearly likes the huddle. So let Mark, you know, cruise on your own celebrity. It turns out he had never heard of me. And when he did, he turned it down immediately. So, you know, I, uh, an unfortunately typical loss for me and the huddle. But I tell you what, Mark. I'm not just here to bring you on to reopen old emotional wounds. Um, we really need you today. We got a bunch of questions, and one of them made me think of you instantaneously. But I'm going to save it. We're going to work our way up to that question, right? We'll call this a tease. What we'll start with instead is my favorite topic. It's my favorite segment, but we don't always get to do it because we don't always have somebody with your experience. It's the Off the Court Report. So if you're new to this show, idea here is easy. If you listen, you know what we do, what happens on the floor. You know, we, we see these guys, we think about it, we watch the games. But Mark, Mark has access off the floor. And so for this segment, we take advantage of that. I shut up and we ask him for a story, something he's experienced off the floor. Mark, what do you got? Well, I was in, uh, I was in San Francisco for the Warriors opener ring night against the Lakers. And uh, ahead of time, I was able to get some one-on-one -on -one time with Clay Thompson and uh, not to get too inside baseball, but as every Warrior fan knows about Clay, he's very unique, to say the least. He marches to the beat of his own drum. And so as it pertains to interviews, sometimes it's a really good interview or sometimes it's a really bad interview. Sometimes you get a lot of time with him. Sometimes you don't. So I came in kind of, you know, hoping for the best, but preparing for the worst. 
And to my pleasant surprise, he was all about talking. He relaxed. He was sitting in a chair. He also started getting into like my career path and being very complimentary. And I was like, wow, like Clay is amazing. And you're so nice. And not only on that, on top of that, but Raymond Ritter, who's the best PR uh, staffer in the business, he likes to poke fun at everyone, including me. And he has been sharing with everyone who will listen within the Warriors organization, as well as media members, uh, the nickname he's assigned me. You know, I've been blessed where I've been, as you guys know, bounce around different jobs because I've been, uh, you know, getting some good opportunities and bigger platforms. And so because of that, uh, Raymond Ritter has been telling people, including myself directly, that I had become the Larry Brown of sports writers. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, on one hand, it's a compliment. He's, you know, in the Hall of Fame. But uh, Larry Brown has had this reputation of burning bridges every place he goes. <laughs> and not just burning bridges, but like eviscerating it. And when Raymond shared that analogy to Clay, like Clay got offended on my behalf and like defended Hey. And said, Raymond, like, that's not really nice. Like, that's not true. Mark's a great guy. So I thought that was funny. It, it tapped into his uh, unpredictable nature. But I think the underrated part about Clay, and it's not really about me, but as much as he's aloof about things, he's actually very observant. Like, sure. he is an introvert. He notices things. He's not the guy at the party that's going to be, you know, uh, trying to get the center of attention, be talking your ear off. But he'll also notice the vibe, and then like once, once he feels comfortable with you, then he'll be authentic Clay, right? Did, did um, he mention much like your Lyft driver that he likes to listen to the Warriors huddle? Or no, that was uh, that was off to the side. How quickly do you know when you sit down with him whether or not you're going to get a good or bad Clay interview? I mean, is it like right from the jump? Can you tell that he's he's engaged, or do you have to kind of sit back and and feel it out? Well, I think if you do get an interview with him, he's always going to be great. I think well, really, what's the unpredictable part of it is how much time are you going to get with him sometimes it's hey when i'm walking off the practice court until i get to the locker room and at that point you're just you know firing your best hits and see what lands if he's actually sitting down with you um yeah you're gonna you're gonna have a clay interview but uh yeah thankfully this was great and you know i think you know most importantly for warrior fans before the season he was really candid about uh how he reflected off of last season his expectations for this season of being basically Clay Thompson pre-injury, being on an all-star team, being a two-way player. And he also talked about some of the elephants in the room about supporting both Draymond Green and Jordan Poole after the fight, but also just the other element of, you know, how do they keep this thing together? And, and I was asking him about his outlook of how does he view this whole idea that this might be the last season sure. with the whole band, with Draymond. And he said, you know what, uh, you never know. Uh, he conceded that reality, but uh, he was holding out optimism that, you know, because Draymond has one more year left on his contract, that this will extend beyond that and that he'll end his career with the Warriors. And then for himself, while he did concede the fact that, you know, look, Bob Myers hasn't talked with my reps about an extension. I'd surely love to have that Good. conversation. He feels that optimistic that um, he will have that talk next summer and that he'll have another contract with the Warriors. But, I guess we'll have to wait and see and how that plays out. Did he give you any gems? I heard you say you guys talked about how the team's dealing with the JP Draymond fallout. Anything new? Anything catch your eye? Um, yes, I know. I mean, he he share any like amazing state secrets, but he mentioned that he was part of the private team conversations about, you know, how do they mend fences and what do they have to do and that, you know, they both 
he was among the voices that determined what the result was, was the best outcome of, you know, not formally suspending Draymond, but letting it be known that uh, they don't defend his behavior in whatsoever fashion and that Jordan Poole did nothing wrong, but that they feel that everyone can coexist. So, uh, you know, it's not like he uh, shared chapter and verse of all the juicy details behind the scenes, but he, he acknowledged, I think, the parameters of what we all expected. He didn't tape the conversations and play those tapes for you. That's, he did not. Uh, he did not. Yeah, take unfortunate. Yeah. Maxime, Mark doesn't have to worry about this. I mean, he just told us he's got a relationship with the players, so he kind of hits the ground running when he meets with Clay. Clay knows him, and you can just go jump right into conversation. But I imagine, like you know, if you and I, if we showed up at a press conference and we had some kind of a one-on-one, you'd want to get their attention up front. You don't want to just ask a question. How would you do that, man? Like, would you lead with, like, I'm a fan? Would you try to convince him that you've been watching his entire career? Would you just play it straight? What would your move be? Look, I think about this a lot, and that's just in sports, but, like, with some of my favorite musicians, what would I say if I actually got the chance to meet them? And I think at the end of the day, I realize I'm not, I'm not cut out for that kind of life, right? I need some sort of legitimacy before I walk in. Maybe that's a credential around my neck, but otherwise, I, what I've come back to is just literally saying thank you. I think I would just go by being as genuine as possible and say, hey, like, I know you don't know me, but you've had a profound impact on my life and i just want to say thank you for all of the hard work that you've done and for being somebody that's in this space uh to sort of be in the fishbowl and 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 have this voyeuristic lifestyle like it allows me to really uh, derive a lot of joy so you know like i said going for the genuine angle and then hoping that in turn they're like hey that's dope right i don't get that kind of thing every day that sort of acknowledgement and then maybe that begets a conversation I've said this before, so I'll keep it short, but I spent a very small amount of time, maybe like three, four months. This was a long time ago, and I lived next to a fringe warrior. The guy's name was Chris Porter. He was like the 14th, 15th man on the roster. And after recognizing that I lived next to him, I spent a good two to three weeks trying desperately to become his best friend. And like I can remember sitting in my apartment thinking in my mind what I was going to say before I went over, like literally planning the back and forth, you know, like, okay, come over. We're going to play Madden, smoke weed, and have the time of our lives. And I'd like play it out, like all this stuff. Then I'd go over and knock, and he'd, he'd answer the door, and I would immediately panic. I'd be like, ah, video games, and then run back over, and it never went well. So strangely enough, Mr. Porter and I are no longer in each other's lives, but that's enough about my insecurities. Let's go to the glass half full. Um, Mark, you've done this with us before. Look back, recent Warriors basketball. You can look to Phoenix game, but you can look further than that. Give me something you like or don't like about recent Golden State hoop. Yeah, well, glass half full is A, the season just started. B, these are regular season games, not the playoffs. You know, the Suns are bringing this energy like the Houston Rockets in 2018 where they're trying to <laughs> compile all these regular season records, trash talk, but when it comes to the actual moment that matters, they collapse. Number three, um, clearly, for better and for worse, I mean, Steve Kerr is trying to, you know, throw the young guys in the fire. And so a lot of their shortcomings has to do with young players trying to develop and work out the kinks with chemistry and also uh, getting used to extended rotations. But when yeah. you look at, you know, the veteran experience all-star players, with exception to Clay, who's, you know, trying to get back into the swing of things with his shot, Everyone else has been great, whether it's Steph Curry, Andrew Wiggins. I think Draymond Green has shown some emergence. You know, Jordan Poole's been up and down as far as his efficiency, but I think it's play overall is a net positive. So, you know, I'm mostly glass half full for all the re those reasons. But the the things that are leaving Warriors fans concerns uh, concerned, they're, they're definitely real and tangible things. 
that they'll have to iron out through the course of the season. You're not super fired up about their defense. Um, I, I will follow suit. All right. So things I like, I do like what the big boys on the team have been doing, but I'll make it more specific. There was every reason to expect that Draymond would have a shitty beginning of this year. And he had every excuse to do so, you know, for very good reasons. He's been much maligned over these last few weeks. And so in the first four games, if he'd come out subpar, I think we all would understand it was what it was. He has not. I was taking a look at the stats. I mean, they're, they're not eye-popping, but they're still impressive. He's averaging 10, 6, and 5 on 65% shooting and almost two combined steals and blocks. He's contributing. He's playing well. He is not in a shell of himself, which I immediately respect and I like. Uh, things I don't like. I don't like TNT's coverage of the fucking Phoenix game. I don't like Kevin Harlan jinxing uh, Steph's free throws. I did like Steph calling him out on it. But more than that. Do so you I like Reggie Miller and Candace Parker calling him out? I did. I did. And I liked that they snitched on him and I liked all the attention they gave him. But the thing I really didn't like, Mark, is that we missed the back and forth between Clay and D-Book that led to him being thrown out. Conflict sells, TNT. What the fuck? We don't come back from a, a commercial break to find Clay leaving. At least give us the replay of the actual conflict that's why we're here you know it's like watching like an action movie and they just cut to the end of the war no 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 that's why we're here show us the action so i just i didn't like the way they did that um i've used this before but i'll do it again i don't like cp3's pompous body posture i feel like everything on his body screams i'm a douche including the fact it always looks like he's holding a nickel between his ass cheeks and then the last thing i don't like and you just um alluded to it and it's a real one so where's defense uh this isn't my stat i pulled it off twitter but the Warriors have now allowed at least 30 points in 10 of their last 12 quarters. And opponents are averaging 33 points a quarter in that span. Not good. Early, we'll talk about that. But, you know, things I don't like, not a big fan of that. Maxime, what do you got? Uh, first of all, I think a lot of what the, you know, what the fan in general landscape is saying is, hey, the value of this is that Steve Kerr is continuing to do what Steve Kerr does and play with his rotations early on. And so, of course, the defense is not going to be great. In general, the squad is not going to be as good as it is, but that's what sets us up for success in the postseason. So, sure. yep. you know, take that as a salve. What I actually did not like was Ed Malloy ejecting Clay Thompson for multiple reasons. Not just because I didn't think it deserved a double tech, but also because that's the exact fuel that Klay Thompson uses to go off in the second half. And just like you're talking about TNT robbing us of a great opportunity to, you know, see the actual entertainment, Ed Malloy robbed us of a fantastic opportunity to see these two players go head to head. I don't even I don't uh, there's speculation about what Booker said to Klay. There's speculation about everything that was going on. I don't really care. I respect Bo Booker is now the alpha on the Suns team. It was the opportunity to see Clay get hot, which you know was coming, and then see Booker go at it on the other end. It was it was going to be a scintillating showdown between two guards, and we were robbed of the entire thing. I like the birth of Four Rings Clay. You know, we've had scaffolding Clay, we've had a bunch of other Clay. I love the idea that Clay looked at D Book and the bench and pointed out that he has four championship rings and they don't have four playoff appearances, which was fantastic. Do you know what I kept thinking of? And so this is not an allegation. This is just something entertaining that that hit me. Did you guys watch the Tim Donahue documentary on Netflix? Have you guys seen that yet? I did, yep. So one of the things, Maxine, check that out, um, because I'm sure we'll be referencing it a thousand times on this show. But one of the things that stuck out without any allegations, and it's not a surprise, referees are human beings. They're not computers. You know, they bring in their own bias. They bring in their own emotion, their other bullshit. 
And whatever it was that led to this switch in officiating between the first and the second half, you know, I don't, I don't know if they were like betting on the game the way that uh, referencing this documentary would suggest, but it sure seemed like something fucking changed, man. The, the way that the rest were looking at that game flipped, but I digress. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Let's go to our golden questions. All right. So Mark, this is our mailbag. Yeah. And I'm going to change it up a little bit. There's one question I really want to ask you. I've already told you that, but I'm, I'm, we're still working our way there. Instead, what I'm going to lead with are some of these panicky questions we've got. All right. So it's not a surprise. Somewhere along the line, um, Warrior fans became some, a portion of Warrior fans became brainwashed by the success. And now every time there's anything but a prolonged winning streak, panic tends to, to creep in. And that's true this time. We got a bunch of questions that asked us panicky type of concerns. But instead of actually answering those questions, I'm going to borrow something from Hunger Games. Okay. So quick admission, man. I'm a loser. You've known that. I have a lot of losery things. One of the losery things I like is reading uh, young adult books and watching the movies. Hunger Games is one of them. And in that series, there was a character named Peter Malark. Peter was a good guy. He got captured by the bad guys and he got brainwashed. And when he was ultimately saved by the good guys, that brainwashing continued into the movie. And he started questioning things. He started questioning the main mission that the good guys were on. He started questioning if they were doing the right thing. He started questioning all these things. And the way they dealt with that is he'd bring up the concern and then the good guys would tell him, real or not real? You're still trying to protect me. Real or not real? Real. That's what you and I do. All right, so there's our backdrop. I'm going to give you some of these brainwashed concerns from these really, really, really upset people, and we're going to decide, are these concerns real or not real? Make sense? Yes, sir. We got it. This is a Thank shocking you. amount of Hunger Games knowledge. I, I did not know you were such a fan. Uh, huge fan. I was so worried about that landing, too, as a, as a just kind of a, a random uh, admission. I read those. I read those and Harry Potter on BART before the world ended. And I would occasionally make eye contact with people whose expression communicated, wait, you're not a 13-year-old girl. Why are you reading those? But who cares, right? Hey, Brent, so, what, so what's next? Are you on to the Goosebumps series or what? <laughs> so good. So good. And when I come up with some way to ask you a basketball question about them, I will. Uh, here is our first panicky email. Quote, I was told this Warriors team was better. I was told Wiggins improved, Clay would be healthy, and the young guys would contribute. Instead, 
We're two and two, can't defend for shit, and just got our ass handed to us by Phoenix. I'm convinced we're a five-seeded best and won't contend this year. That person rounded it out into a question, but I'm not going to ask that. Instead, here's the concern, right? First four games have shown the Warriors aren't title contenders. Mark, real or not real? Uh, not real. Um, look, uh, I, back to my original point, these concerns are very tangible and they have to solve them. But uh, I think a lot of it has to just do with early regular season things. And I think the more games that there are, it seems like the law of averages are going to show that Clay Thompson will shoot a lot better, play a lot better. And once the rotations are set, there's going to be more chemistry. So I'm not downplaying the actual you know, concerns because they do need to correct them. But I think a lot of these things will be sorted out with just more reps. The other thing is just, uh, you know, the quality opponent. Look, the Phoenix Suns are a legitimately good team, and they were also really amped up to beat the Warriors. I mean, they were playing them as if, you know, this game was taking place in May. Uh, And it's actually in late October. And I think to the Warriors' credit, you know, watching the game, it looked like, hey, this is going to be a competitive back and forth through the first half. It didn't start going off the rails until the second half where, you know, again, Steve Kerr was keeping most of his young guys in there and not allowing, you know, the vets to bail it out. Obviously, Clay Thompson's ejection played a part into that. So, you know, the Warriors can easily uh, start going on a very long winning streak to suggest, you know what, uh, they're going to be among the contending favorites. So, you know, nothing that I saw in this first week of the season for the Warriors makes me think, you know what, uh, my mind's changed about them. Uh, unlike, you know, a team like the Lakers where it's like, you know what, I've seen what I need to see. There's enough of a sample size <laughs> to show that's a lost season because barring roster changes, their things aren't sustainable and not easily correctable. The Warriors, much different case. It's weird, man. There are some things in life that are guaranteed to make me smile. You know, like you should be like a puppy picture or like a rainbow, or you mentioned how shitty the Lakers are right now. I immediately smile. Um, is that concern real? Of course it's not real. Of course not. Look, we said a bunch of times leading into the year, at the beginning of the year, right now, Warriors don't give a shit about the regular season. They do not, and we are seeing that. There are different goals at play, but let me put it a different way. Last year, we spent a lot of time talking about the two different title windows the Warriors had, but really that wasn't true last year. They had one specific title window represented by the big boys, and then they had some fairly exciting rookies who were at the end of the bench who they'd bring in occasionally. This year, Two title windows. They, if, if the Warriors are going to be as good as they want to be, it's not going to be rookies at the end of the bench. They're going to need 20 minutes, perhaps, during a playoff game from people like Moody, from people like Wiseman, from people like J.K. And that shit doesn't just magically materialize. You've got to go through all the learning curves, all the mistakes, all the difficult losses that we saw from last night. So I don't think their goal is to win a random-ass Tuesday night matchup in the regular season against Phoenix. Their goal is to get that young core ready to play in the real season. And so that's why Ty Jerome got minutes. That's why he left in, you know, the, the young guys and didn't play the starters. So is there reason to worry now? No, of course there's not. And Maxime, instead of handling this one, let me give you the next. All right. Here's our next concern. Quote, right when I thought Kerr might be worth his salary, he played Ty Jerome over Jonathan Kaminga and showed yet again that the coaching is the problem. 
So there's another question here I'm not going to read. Instead, sounds like this person's concern, Steve Kerr's rotations will hurt the Warriors. Maxime, real or not real? Uh, real if you're worried about the 82-game season and not the 16-game season. I mean, come on. This is what I was saying already, right? We are figuring stuff out. I'm sure Kerr had a very good reason for putting somebody on a two-way contract into the rotation for how it benefits what our look is going to be when it comes to the postseason. I don't know what that is. I was scratching my head the whole time Jerome was after I looked up and figured out that he was on a two-way contract and not some random dude that they picked up on the way into the game. But like, nonetheless, it's the type of thing that you have to trust what he's doing because Kerr has been there enough. So Ty Jerome, if you told me he was secretly a baseball player, I would not like, okay, yeah, that makes perfect <laughs> sense. He looks exactly like a baseball player. But, and, and let, me, let me attack this from a more random thing. If you ask, how do you build trust? Hard question, amorphous answer. I mean, I don't know. I couldn't give you like a dissertation, but I can give you some examples. Here's when, win four fucking titles. You know, that, generally speaking, that builds some trust. Win the title last year. Oh, yeah, that, you know, that makes me do it. Watch him develop young cores. I mean, Kerr has done what he needs to do to earn our trust, certainly through four games in the title defense season. So is the concern real? No, it's not. Mark, take our next one, all right? Quote, I spent a large portion of the offseason – Worrying, actually, no, hold on, because this is the last one. Let me give this one instead. I don't know if the Warriors locker room has forgiven Draymond, but I can tell you who hasn't, the NBA refs. From what I can tell, Draymond hasn't gotten a call all year, and he shouldn't be expecting any. So before you answer, Mark, I'll say real. Uh, It's something that I noticed. It's something I'm a little worried about, and we saw it a ton against Phoenix. He had some real physical fouls that I felt were totally ignored. And I don't think I'm going out on a limb to say he had a reputation before the punch. And I think that that reputation is worse. And I think there's a real concern. He's not going to get calls this year, but I'm a Homer, you know, I'm an openly unabashed Homer. You are not give us your objective realism here, man is, is, do you think the NBA refs have that shit in mind? You know, what, what's, what's your perception? Yeah, I think generally, I don't think systemically the officials have that. I mean, there obviously is the human element of, you know, the crowd, the stars, not necessarily because of catering to them, but the the referees know their tendency. The, the stars know how to, you know, work within the loopholes of a rule. Uh, there's more of a familiarity. Um, I know that there was one specific play against the Suns that I thought that they missed. You know, when he was driving against DeAndre Ayton, yeah. yep. he got fouled. Like, yep. yeah, that was a foul. But I don't think it was, you know what, Draymond Green, I don't like you because you've always been complained to us, and I don't like you because you punched Jordan full in the, in the face of practice. I'm going to have a silent whistle. I don't think it was that. I think they just missed it. That was definitely a foul. Draymond definitely had, uh, you know, reasons to feel upset. But I think the broader thing, not just with the officials, but in general, because of what happened – in training camp with Jordan Poole and his altercation with him, I think within a team dynamic, Draymond has less of that capital to burn this season. Sure. Where, um, you know, in seasons past, there was always kind of this back and forth with how Steve Kerr and Bob Myers, some of the players felt of, hey, you know what, we'll live with a technical or an ejection because that's Draymond being Draymond. We need yep. the intensity. We far more benefit from it than, you know, get hurt from it. But I think because of the context of that, I don't think he's going to be given as much empathy from the team. Yep. But in Draymond's defense, specifically against Phoenix, when he got that 
uh, Tech, Steve Kerr was right there with them, being just as upset with that missed call. Mm, makes sense. Uh, it's unfortunate that you can't see how biased the NBA refs are. I mean, it maybe as the as the season goes by here, you'll buy into this theory. All right, enough runway. Let's get to the thing I've been wanting to ask you. All right, so here's the question. Quote, I spent a large portion of the offseason worrying about Andrew Wiggins. Sure, he turned into a prince during the finals, but I've been worried he would go back to a pumpkin this regular season. Do you think finals Wiggs is here to stay? Will he go back to the low-effort game he showed in Minnesota? Uh, just as a random aside, I don't think that the prince turned into a pumpkin in Cinderella. I'm not sure that that's what happened there, but you know, maybe I just don't remember the fairy tale that well. Um, but this made me think of you because, man, you just wrote an excellent article detailing your question and answer session with Wiggins. You just sat down with the guy. You had an opportunity, so I wanted to run it by you. Um, let's start here. When you talk to him, did you get the feeling that Wiggins wanted to pick up where he left off last season? Will he be finals Wiggs as we go forward here? Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, uh, every player, including Wiggins, will have bad games, but I don't think there's going to be the Andrew Wiggins of Minnesota where he goes through stretches of laying an egg. I think that, you know, based off of his early sample size and how his demeanor's been and the Warriors' impressions, most importantly overall, has been of him, it's like, hey, let's keep on building off of this. I mean, Coach Steve Kerr was saying this is the best he's seen Wiggins play uh, ever in his life. And I think that's saying a lot considering the fact that, you know, Wiggins has been with the Warriors for a few years now, since March of 2020. And so I think that, you know, Andrew Wiggins' mindset after talking to him, he wants to get back on the All-Star. He wants to get his first all-defensive team. He's perfectly content with not being like the franchise guy, the go-to guy. So if he's he's currently leading the the team second, or he's currently second in, in team scoring, but whether he's second, third, or fourth, I think he'll be perfectly fine. It's all about can he lead the team in rebounds and also be the guy that's defending the opposing team's top player, especially because while there are expectations that Clay Thompson's going to be better than last season, yep. that's still a work in progress. And I think that he feels empowered to do that because, one, he won his first title. Two, the Warriors did not waste time with extending him, and he was willing. I asked him, hey, why do it now? I mean, theoretically – if you wait next summer, you can get more money. And he said, you know what? Like, I didn't want to have that worry about uh, the whole contract this season. I wanted to feel free about it. And he also had a, an expression of gratitude of what the Warriors have done for his career. So I think because of that, I, I think he feels this obligation of kind of paying it back and spaying it forward, uh, knowing that the Warriors have put an investment in him. So you just said so many things I want to ask you about. And so I'm, I'm sure I'll forget. I'm sure I'll forget. You know, so let's see. Uh, rebounds. For some players, there's like weird barometer stats, you know, like one thing that kind of the rest of the world focuses in on, and they view that as the barometer for whether or not they're doing really well. And rebounds is one of those things for Minnesota, uh, Wiggins, right? That he never rebounded when he was playing there, and it was something that drove the coaching staff absolutely crazy. It was an effort problem. And then finals begins, and, you know, he's this rebounding machine. Is that something that he acknowledged? Like, when you talked to him, did he did he mention he wants to rebound more, or is it something that's just happening? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, uh, you know, Steve Kerr has told him repeatedly that he expects him to replicate the rebounding that he had in the playoffs last season, which was around seven and a half a game. And, you know, he's been sharing that same mindset of, like, just trying to get after 50-50 balls and rebounds. And he, you know, as far as his defense goes, he was saying to me that he, in his mind, there's nothing better than stopping your opponent. He feels like that's the best feeling 
in the world and that scoring is just icing on the cake. And the reason why he likes defending more is because he knows that, you know, that can make things easier on offense. And so I think he feels emboldened to do that because uh, he's in a complimentary role with the Warriors. Sure. He knows he doesn't have that burden being the franchise guy. And I think for from Steve Kerr's end, the reason why he's harping on that, A, it's a hustle stat. B, it's also a way to get him in the scoring column. Yep. Uh, because if he gets put back, say, those are easy shots. And three, you know, guys like Steph Curry and Clay Thompson are going to take a lot of shots. And while they're amazing shooters, like, they all miss at some point. And so that's a, a way to be involved with the game, even when you don't know if your number's going to be called. But sure. the reality is – He's still going to get looks because those guys are drawing double teams and he'll have open looks. So, yeah, the rebounding was definitely something that, that Kerr's harping on and it's definitely something that, that Wiggins has said he's taking ownership with. The contract's the other thing that really stuck out, right? So that contract gets announced, and I was surprised. I was surprised by the timing. I didn't know that they were negotiating, and I was surprised by the number. I mean, my assumption was he was going to go. He was going to get a max from somewhere, so he'd at least play it out and you know use that to leverage it out. So when you talk to him about the contract, how long have they been working on this? And is he immediately aware that he could have gotten more? I mean, is this kind of like a an unspoken truth that both parties understood? Yeah, I mean, as far as how long it goes back, he didn't get into specifics. He just said they went back and forth a lot. But, um, you know, he's very well aware of all the parameters here. I mean, I thought it was telling that he thought at the end of the day, the offer, what he called a cool number, even though he took like a $30 million <laughs> pay cut. Yeah. Um, and when I asked, like, hey, why are you willing to take this pay cut and like pass on a potentially bigger deal next summer? His whole uh, thought process was, not only did he not want to have to worry about that during the season, but he also conceded, hey, like, you never know what can happen, right? And the fact that he's had so much success here, uh, he, he, he much prefers just kind of living in a comfortable environment than kind of riding the, the waves of kind of a, uh, a high and low, high risk, high reward sort of contract. Um, the other thing that he's also mindful is as much as he t- took a pay cut, he knows that, you know, the Warriors showed commitment knowing that they got this payroll that they're trying to trim and, you know, because of the luxury taxes concerned. So because of that, he felt really appreciated and something yeah. that he felt like he didn't want to take for granted. So, you know, I press those questions to him directly. Yep. He's very aware of all the moving parts and how the business of basketball operates. And he just, I think, looked at everything through a pragmatic lens that, when you weigh the pros and cons of it, he's ultimately content with where he's at with the Warriors because of the environment, the organization, that even if taking a pay cut, it's not going to matter at the end of the day. And he much uh, would rather have the long-term security than the high-risk, high-reward of you know kind of gambling here. I saw that cool number quote. It, it almost yeah. felt when you, when you asked him and he answered, it almost felt like he was acknowledging without saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I get it. I get I could have got more, you know, but yeah, it's a lot of money. You know, I mean, it was, it was almost like a, a tongue in cheek. Like, we don't really have to focus on that, um, which may be like a, another part of the interview that stuck out to me. And check this out, you guys. NBA.com, um, you know, Wiggins is a huge portion of our family now. And if you want to learn a little bit more about him, Mark's done a great job at uncovering that stuff. But one of the things you asked him about is his relationship with Jordan Poole. And, you know, we got a taste of it. Um, we saw after the finals, the clip that went viral. You're going to get a bag. I'm going to get a bag. We're both going to get a bag, you know. Hey, you're like, hey, you about to get a bag. Hey, you're about to get a bag. No, 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 no. You're about to get a bag. We about 
And so it intimated a friendship, but you asked him about it. How would you describe him? And what's their relationship? Yeah, well, what's interesting is as much as, as as more expressive Andrew Wiggins has been, he's also still introverted. So, like, he's not sharing, like, the timeline of everything. But when I asked, like, hey, why do you guys hit it off so well? He was just saying, like, it's an organic thing. So, you know, my presumption here is just these two players seem to just kind of tick the same way. They're both thinkers. They're both introverted. Um, you know, they both value authenticity. And so I think because they saw how much each other uh, are similar and they also work really hard, there was this kinship. And I think that that really came into play, the fact that they recorded that video yeah. after the finals. Um, because, you know, of course, some of it's adrenaline. Some of it's just the happiness of winning the title. Some of it is, uh, you know, alcohol-infused. But I think they also were very well aware of the big-picture stakes here. Of Look, they won the finals. They played sure. really well had big seasons they know what's coming up and so even in real time Andrew Wiggins's thought process of hey like let's speak this into existence and in his mind it kind of manifested that way and spain it forward here you know when the Draymond punch happened you know Andrew as with everyone else on the team is very supportive of Jordan and I think right. again while he didn't go into exact details of that whole situation you know, Hibbs observation, I think, uh, you know, sheds a lot of insight of where things are at, where, you know, according to him, he thinks that they have squashed everything, like where oh. they're talking, you know, he also mentioned that it's something that they had to sort out, like, you know, they're not going to get involved and try to babysit, like they're two grown men that have to sort it out. But from his viewpoint, he felt like they're, you know, they're, they're on much better terms and they're talking and you know, they're looking at through a pragmatic lens that, you know, while they might not be the best of friends, Andrew is much closer to Jordan Poole than Draymond will ever be. It's about, you know, trying to win a championship and, you know, do what they're asked to do on the court. I'm glad to hear it. Um, I wonder if he could go back in time if Andrew had changed the quote to, I'm going to get a cool number. You're going to get a cool number. We're all going to get cool numbers. And then see if that clip goes viral. Uh, Mark, I miss you. I appreciate you. I hate your text messages. I'd like you not to play with my emotions again, but having you on the show is always my pleasure. And I am sure I'm not alone. For people who need way more Medina in their life, where do they go? First of all, thanks for the nice words. Any trolling is all out of love and apologies for any uh, emotional hardships I cause you. But as far as uh, following the work, NBA.com, NBA TV, do stuff with Fox Sports Radio, Twitter handle, Mark G underscore Medina, and also a frequent guest of Warriors Huddle. And don't worry, Bram, even though I independently can't confirm that there's a Lyft driver playing your podcast, I'm sure there are plenty of Lyft drivers somewhere right now. Somewhere right in, in the yeah. Bay Area. So don't if you worry. Are if you're listening to this while driving a Lyft, I can't tell you how much we appreciate you. Maxim, you uh, you experienced this in much the same way I did. I mean, the second I got the text, I immediately involved you and shot it off to you. How did your emotional roller coaster go, man? How, how are you feeling through this? I was so stoked. And I didn't get the immediate uh, – I, I didn't learn that it was actually Mark's uh, image <laughs> – right away so i was right on that high for a few days which i think made the crash all the worse i almost didn't tell you to be totally honest <laughs> but i knew that when we had mark on he was going to bring it up and i and then it would have been way worse if we had gone like two weeks and then this thing had like been proven a lie you know and we would have had to like make eye contact through this digital format and it, it would have been hard it would have been hard so i did in fact have to tell you 
uh, for us. You want to reach out, let us know we've done a good job, bad job. Get us a question. Do anything. You can shoot us an email to huddle at warriorshuddle.com. We are on uh, social media where it is only our Twitter account. That one's at Warriors Huddle. Perhaps most importantly, we've got a brand new YouTube uh, channel. If you want to check that out, you can either look for the link on our Twitter account or just go to YouTube and search Warriors Huddle. Please subscribe. In fact, if you consider yourself a friend of this show and if you're listening, we consider you a friend. Help us, please. You don't even have to listen to it. Go on YouTube press play and turn it all the way down you know that that's fine but every listen and every subscribe we get on there helps us more than i can tell you and it won't cost you a dollar to help us out um with that in mind go warriors hopefully see you next week Good, good.